Section 22 of The Great Events by Famous Historians, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Colleen McMahon. The Great Events by Famous Historians, Volume 3. Edited by Charles F. Horn, Rossiter Johnson, and John Rudd. Destruction of Pompeii, A.D. 79, by Lord Edward Bulwer-Lytton. The amphitheatre at Pompeii was crowded to the doors. A lion was at large in the arena, and the populace surged toward an Egyptian priest, Arbaces, demanding that he be thrown down to be devoured. As the mob rolled around him, intent on his death, Arbaces noted a strange and awful apparition. His craft made him courageous. He stretched forth his hand. Behold, he shouted with a voice of thunder, which stilled the roar of the crowd. Behold how the gods protect the guiltless. The fires of the avenging Orcus burst forth against the false witness of my accusers. The eyes of the crowd followed the gesture of the Egyptian, and beheld, with ineffable dismay, a vast vapor shooting from the summit of Vesuvius in the form of a gigantic pine tree, the trunk blackness, the branches fire a fire that shifted and wavered in its hues with every moment now fiercely luminous now of a dull and dying red that again blazed terrifically forth with intolerable glare there was a dead heart-sunken silence through which there suddenly broke the roar of the lion which was echoed back from within the building by the sharper and fiercer yells of its fellow-beast dread seers were they of the burden of the atmosphere and wild prophets of the wrath to come then there arose on high the universal shrieks of women. The men stared at each other, but were dumb. At that moment they felt the earth shake beneath their feet. The walls of the theatre trembled, and beyond, in the distance, they heard the crash of falling roofs. An instant more, and the mountain clouds seemed to roll toward them, dark and rapid like a torrent. At the same time it cast forth from its bosom a shower of ashes mixed with vast fragments of burning stone over the crushing vines over the desolate streets over the amphitheatre itself far and wide with many a mighty splash in the agitated sea fell that awful shower no longer thought the crowd of justice or of our bases safety for themselves was their sole thought each turned to fly each dashing pressing crushing against the other trampling recklessly over the fallen amid groans and oaths and prayers and sudden shrieks the enormous crowd vomited itself forth through the numerous passages. Whither should they fly? Some, anticipating a second earthquake, hastened to their homes to load themselves with their more costly goods and escape while it was yet time. Others, dreading the showers of ashes that now fell fast, torrent upon torrent, over the streets, rushed under the roofs of the nearest houses or temples or sheds, shelter of any kind for protection from the terrors of the open air but darker and larger and mightier spread the cloud above them it was a sudden and more ghastly night rushing upon the realm of noon meanwhile the streets were already thinned the crowd had hastened to disperse itself under shelter the ashes began to fill up the lower parts of the town but here and there you heard the steps of fugitives cranching them warily or saw their pale and haggard faces by the blue glare of the lightning, or the more unsteady glare of torches, by which they endeavoured to steer their steps. But ever and anon the boiling water, or the straggling ashes, mysterious and gusty winds rising and dying in a breath, 
extinguished these wandering lights, and with them the last living hope of those who bore them. Amid the other horrors, the mighty mountain now cast up columns of boiling water. Blent and kneaded with the half-burning ashes, the streams fell like seething mud over the streets in frequent intervals. And full, where the priests of Isis had now cowered around the altars on which they had vainly sought to kindle fires and pour incense, one of the fiercest of those deadly torrents, mingled with immense fragments of scoria, had poured its rage. Over the bended forms of the priests it dashed, that cry had been of death, that silence had been of eternity. The ashes, the pitchy stream, sprinkled the altars, covered the pavement, and half-concealed the quivering corpses of the priests. In proportion as the blackness gathered did the lightnings around Vesuvius increase in their vivid and scorching glare. Nor was their horrible beauty confined to the usual hues of fire. No rainbow ever rivaled their varying and prodigal dyes, now brightly blue as the most azure depth of a southern sky now of a livid and snake-like green darting restlessly to and fro as the folds of an enormous serpent now of a lurid and intolerable crimson gushing forth through the columns of smoke far and wide and lighting up the whole city from arch to arch then suddenly dying into a sickly paleness like the ghost of their own life in the pauses of the showers you heard the rumbling of the earth beneath and the groaning waves of the tortured sea or lower still and audible but to the watch of intensest fear the grinding and hissing murmur of the escaping gases through the chasms of the distant mountain sometimes the cloud appeared to break from its solid mass and by the lightning to assume quaint and vast mimicries of human or of monster shapes striding across the gloom hurtling one upon the other and vanishing swiftly into the turbulent abyss of shade so that to the eyes and fancies of the affrighted wanderers the unsubstantial vapours were as the bodily forms of gigantic foes the agents of terror and of death the ashes in many places were already knee-deep and the boiling showers which came from the steaming breath of the volcano forced their way into the houses bearing with them a strong and suffocating vapour in some places immense fragments of rock hurled upon the house-roofs bore down along the streets masses of confused ruin which yet more and more with every hour obstructed the way, and as the day advanced, the motion of the earth was more sensibly felt. The footing seemed to slide and creep, nor could chariot or litter be kept steady even on the most level ground. Sometimes the huger stones, striking against each other as they fell, broke into countless fragments emitting sparks of fire, which caught whatever was combustible within their reach, and along the plains beyond the city, the darkness was now terribly relieved, for several houses and even vineyards had been set on flames, and at various intervals the fires rose sullenly and fiercely against the solid gloom. To add to this partial relief of the darkness, the citizens had here and there, in the more public places, as the porticos of temples and the entrances to the forum, endeavoured to place rows of torches. But these rarely continued long, the showers and the winds extinguished them, and the sudden darkness into which their sudden birth was converted had something in it doubly terrible and doubly impressing on the impotence of human hopes the lesson of despair frequently by the momentary light of these torches parties of fugitives encountered each other some hurrying toward the sea others flying from the sea back to the land for the ocean had retreated rapidly from the shore and utter darkness lay over it 
and upon its groaning and tossing waves the storm of cinders and rock fell without the protection which the streets and roofs afforded to the land wild haggard ghastly with supernatural fears these groups encountered each other but without the leisure to speak to consult to advise for the showers fell now frequently though not continuously extinguishing the lights which showed to each band the death-like faces of the other and hurrying all to seek refuge beneath the nearest shelter the whole elements of civilization were broken up ever and anon by the flickering lights you saw the thief hastening by the most solemn authorities of the law laden with and fearfully chuckling over the produce of his sudden gains if in the darkness wife was separated from husband or parent from child vain was the hope of reunion each hurried blindly and confusedly on nothing in all the various and complicated machinery of social life was left save the primal law of self-preservation in parts where the ashes lay dry and uncommixed with the boiling torrents cast upward from the mountain at capricious intervals the surface of the earth presented a leprous and ghastly white in other places cinder and rock lay matted in heaps from beneath which emerged the half-hid limbs of some crushed and mangled fugitive the groans of the dying were broken by wild shrieks of women's terror now near now distant which when heard in the utter darkness were rendered doubly appalling by the crushing sense of helplessness and the uncertainty of the perils around and clear and distinct through all were the mighty and various noises from the fatal mountain its rushing winds its whirling torrents and from time to time the burst and roar of some more fiery and fierce explosion and ever as the winds swept howling along the street they bore sharp streams of burning dust and such sickening and poisonous vapors as took away for the instant breath and consciousness followed by a rapid revulsion of the arrested blood and a tingling sensation of agony trembling through every nerve and fiber of the frame suddenly all became lighted with an intense and lurid glow bright and gigantic through the darkness which closed around it like the walls of hell the mountain shone a pile of fire its summit seemed riven in two or rather above its surface there seemed to rise two monster shapes each confronting each as demons contending for a world these were of one deep blood-red hue of fire which lighted up the whole atmosphere far and wide but below the nether part of the mountain was still dark and shrouded save in three places adown which flowed serpentine and irregular rivers of molten lava darkly red through the profound gloom of their banks they flowed slowly on as toward the devoted city over the broadest there seemed to spring a cragged and stupendous arch from which as from the jaws of hell gushed the sources of the sudden phlegethon and through the still air was heard the rattling of the fragments of rock hurtling one upon another as they were borne down the fiery cataracts darkening for one instant the spot where they fell and suffused the next in the burnished hues of the flood in which they floated nearly seventeen centuries had rolled away when the city of pompeii was disinterred from its silent tomb footnote destroyed a d seventy nine first discovered a d seventeen fifty end of footnote all vivid with undimmed hues its walls fresh as if painted yesterday not a hue faded on the rich mosaic of its floors in its forum the half-finished columns as left by the workman's hand in its gardens the sacrificial tripod 
in its halls the chest of treasure in its baths the strigil in its theatres the counter of admission in its saloons the furniture and the lamp in its triclinia the fragments of the last feast in its cubicula the perfumes and the rouge of faded beauty and everywhere the bones and skeletons of those who once moved the springs of that minute yet gorgeous machine of luxury and life in the house of diomed in the subterranean vaults twenty skeletons one of a babe were discovered in one spot by the door covered by a fine ashen dust that had evidently been wafted slowly through the apertures until it had filled the whole space there were jewels and coins candelabra for unavailing light and wine hardened in the amphorae for the prolongation of agonized life the sand consolidated by damps had taken the forms of the skeletons as in a cast and the traveller may yet see the impression of a female neck and bosom of young and round proportions it seems to the inquirer as if the air had been gradually changed into a sulphurous vapour the inmates of the vaults had rushed to the door to find it closed and blocked up by the scoria without and in their attempts to force it had been suffocated with the atmosphere in the garden was found a skeleton with a key by its bony hand and near it a bag of coins this is believed to have been the master of the house who had probably sought to escape by the garden and been destroyed either by the vapours or some fragment of stone besides some silver vases lay another skeleton probably that of a slave various theories as to the exact mode by which pompeii was destroyed have been invented by the ingenious i have adopted that which is the most generally received and which upon inspecting the strata appears the only one admissible by common sense namely a destruction by showers of ashes and boiling water mingled with frequent eruptions of large stones and aided by partial convulsions of the earth herculaneum on the contrary appears to have received not only the showers of ashes but also inundations from molten lava and the streams referred to must be considered as destined for that city rather than for pompeii volcanic lightnings were evidently among the engines of ruin at pompeii papyrus and other of the more inflammable materials are found in a burned state some substances in metal are partially melted and a bronze statue is completely shivered as by lightning upon the whole excepting only the inevitable poetic license of shortening the time which the destruction occupied i believe my description of that awful event is very little assisted by invention and will be found not the less accurate for its appearance in a romance End of section 22. Recording by Colleen McMahon.